Before we get started, I want to draw your attention to the E on this podcast. It stands for explicit. That means that I will be using words and singing phrases or probably talking about topics you don't want your kids to hear. Being that said, fair warning, let's get started. Welcome to You Got to Meet Her podcast. I'm Christine Barr. Today we're going to be talking with Ashley. Ashley is so sweet. You guys are going to love her. She has a country twang and you know I'm about that. Also, she is a mompreneur. I have to break that word down to say it correctly. (laughs) And I'm so grateful that she was able to give me some of her time. Um, You can hear her daughter in the background, which I love. I was not editing that out because it's just real life. We need to hear all that, right? Um, She talks about her faith. She talks about her marriage. She talks about her journey. She talks about losing a parent and some characteristics about herself that she, once she found out, she could kind of dissect her own psychology to get to where she wanted to be and that journey of today. So I hope that you love Ashley as much as I do and you can see why I said you got to meet her. All right, so today we're talking with Miss Ashley. Ashley, tell us a little bit about you. Well, I'm mom. <laughs> uh, I'm what I like to call a mom entrepreneur. You know, um, yeah, I've got two kids. They're 11 and almost four, and um, I was raised in a really cookie cutter house. <laughs> very basic childhood and then um when my dad passed away when i was 18 i just kind of threw my own life into a a whirlwind and then been digging myself out ever since <laughs> okay that's so, the gist <laughs> yeah so what is your race and ethnic background i'm like all the way i think our family came from germany and we have a little bit of Native American, but other than that, it's like, I've got brown hair in like the whitest, lightest family. <laughs> and you're like, this is me. <laughs> it's literally me and my dad. Like we have dark hair and everyone else is blonde. <laughs> wow. So what about your kids? Um, what do they look like? They, um, they were born with super light hair, like my husband was too. Um, but as they got, as they've gotten a little bit older, their hair has gotten a little bit darker. So they're all kind of like a dirty blonde, I guess, like kind of in between a lightest, the lightest brown and the darkest blonde, except my daughter. She's still super blonde. Yeah. Um, so what is your husband? What race is he? Uh, he's white too. Yeah. His, okay. we know his, he's got some German in him also. Um, but that's from his mom's side. We don't really know much about his dad's side because his dad was adopted. Okay. So. okay. so tell me about your past. Tell me about, um, little Ashley. How did you grow up? Like what were some things that you were about when you were little? <laughs> um, I've always kind of been the rebel kid. <laughs> like I 
I was pretty good until like middle school and then I kind of like you couldn't teach me anything. I had to learn it myself and I had to learn it the hard way. So, but even as a little kid, my mom tells me now when I call her about my daughter, she's like, you were just like her, like strong-willed attitude, throwing fits when I didn't get my way. Like I've had control issues from day one. (laughs) So, um, I was a challenging child. I think, and an even more challenging teen and adolescent for sure. Why do you think that was? Why do you think as you got older, it got harder for you? Like for, for you, you used the word challenging. What was like, what do you think drove your challenge? Um, honestly, like, so I've always had like control issues. I don't know really where they came from exactly. Um, I spent a long time trying to figure all that out, but I never did really nail that down. Um, When I was in like fifth grade, do you remember take your daughter to work day? Yeah. Yeah. So my, um, there was one year where my aunt took me to work with her and um, she's a psychologist and she worked for a company that, what they did was like psychology evaluations on um, C-level executives for Mm -hmm. other companies. And so she gave me this personality test type thing and it told me that I was controlling. And from that moment on, I just was like, oh, that's it. That's what I am. I'm controlling. Like I knew there was something, but I didn't know what it was. And then once it was defined, it was like, oh, I'm controlling. Okay, got it. And then as I got older, um, a lot of my control issues were based off of fear. So if I felt like I was scared of something or that I couldn't have control of it, like I just had to let it go, that would scare the hell out of me. And I couldn't, I, I could not handle that. I would react in really negative ways. Hmm. So how, with your dad passing, how did that control come in? So with that, um, I didn't have any control, none, like, and it made me angry and scared also. So that's a lot of that is when I figured out that my control was fear-based, but, um, with him, like my sister had left for school. She was on drill team. So she left super early that day. And my mom was out of town on vacation. They were still married, but she was just on vacation with a girlfriend. And um, I went into his room to tell him I was leaving for my college classes that morning. And um, he had died in his sleep. And so at that point, it was just like something switched in me. Like I had to do everything I could to be the strongest person right then for everyone else because I was the, like, I felt responsible somehow. Like I'm the one that found him. So now I have to make all the phone calls. I have to do everything. And then once things kind of settled down, it was like, I had been so strong for so long that I didn't allow myself to grieve. And I didn't even have any coping skills. I didn't know what to do. So my reaction was just to turn to what I call things of this world. And that 
led me into promiscuity, drugs, alcohol, partying, like anything I could do to just cover up the pain because I couldn't control the pain. I couldn't make it stop. So. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that story. Um, Do you think that you can see it in others now that you've identified it in yourself? When their stories are similar to mine, I can. Um, But not always. Mm -hmm. A lot of times I can, but not all the time. Well, good for you for being able to like dissect it. You know, some people are just so angry and they just don't know why or so controlling and they just don't know why. But it seems like you were able to kind of step back. One, when you said you were in the sixth grade for your daughter um, (laughs) to work day. And then again, even though that you were the one, you know, found your father, you were still able to kind of step back and know that this is how I am and this is how I'm going to try to use my powers in order to, cause I think we all have superpowers and yeah. I think controlling is a superpower. You know, there's very few people that can actually focus and be able to like zone in on something because it needs that control. And so that is a superpower. Um, I feel like sometimes women get a bad rep for being controlling. Do you ever, experienced that or has anybody brought that to you before oh absolutely (laughs) for sure there's yeah (laughs) every relationship I've had most people have told me that I was controlling um I mean even my husband he has there have been arguments before we got married but there were arguments where he thought I was being manipulative um I don't think I was. (laughs) Yeah. I still don't really think I was being manipulative. Um, but I know I was being controlling. I know I was. Yeah. So how do you know when it's too much? Like, how do you know when you're using too much control? Because if he's, if he's articulating this with you, obviously you're going to listen to his feelings and, you know, like take a look back in yourself. But like, when do you ever catch yourself and say, whoa, I'm using way too much of control. I might need to let go a little bit on this certain subject. Or is there a subject that you're like, I don't care about that. They can do whatever they want. Is, is, do you find that? So there's two things for me. One is... Um, my daughter's about to walk in here, so, sorry, Addie, you have to go out there, mommy's on a call, I have to, have daddy help you, please, okay, thank you, shut your door, shut the door on your way out, okay, (laughs) exactly, I'm on a call, that's why, (laughs) I love it, thank you, I love it, that's what life's like around here. <laughs> no, I totally understand. I love it. I, you have no idea. It's like my favorite part. But go ahead. I'll let you finish. Mom entrepreneur, like I said. <laughs> Mom first. Nope. Um, so what was I talking about? Goodness there's gracious. Oh, the control thing. thing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's two things for me. One is... Um, usually too late in the process, but it's when I recognize that someone else's feelings or someone else's self-control is being like stomped on. Mm -hmm. So, um, and it sometimes takes me a really long time to get to that point. Um, 
And then the other one for me is just my own personal religious spiritual beliefs is if I rec if I, if I recognize that I'm trying to do something, but I haven't prayed about it at all, then I have to take a step back because then it's like, am I doing this for me or am I doing this? Cause this is what I feel like I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. So there's two different right. things. So how did you learn to break it up into the two? Have you like tried to do something that you didn't pray about and it didn't go right? Or has someone said something and you're like, uh, because I, I know that I ask the question a lot to my guests, are you spiritual or religious? Mm-hmm. And to me, they're almost combined, but very totally different. Right. So yeah. that, that, that's why I asked that question. Like, how did you get to that point? Was it prayer? Help me find this. Or was it just doing it enough times? Cause you said you have to learn things the hard way yeah. <laughs> in the same way. Is it doing it enough times where you're like, Oh shit, I need to pray about it. Or I need to see how other people are feeling. So, um, this actually didn't come about until like the last year or so. Oh, wow. Um, I, so I, you know, other people that are listening don't, but you know that, um, my husband had a transfer in jobs, I guess. Well, not really. He quit one and then started his own firm very far away from what I was comfortable with. So I was forced to move to Forney when I didn't really want to. And, um, he and I were already struggling, like just within our marriage, like it just happens with marriages. They're not all perfect all the time. So we were struggling. Um, I had a new daughter. She was only a year old at the time. And I was still struggling hard with postpartum depression. So then I had to be forced out of my comfort zone and the friends that I had finally made and all that. So when I got to Forney, I just kind of had a breakdown. Like I just was not mentally in a good place. And the only thing that I could do was, um, was find help. Like I knew I needed help. And so I reached out to someone from our church that I knew was a counselor and, um, said, I need counseling or something. Here's the situation. And, um, she suggested that I try a a recovery program through, through our church called regeneration. And it's like a year long 12 step recovery program. It's, it's intense. Uh, I was scared to death because our, our our old church had one similar and I was like, Oh hell no. Cause if I do that, I'm going to have to admit that I did these bad things and I don't want to have to admit that and risk blowing up my marriage even more. Like it's already not great. (laughs) Mm-hmm. But I was like, okay, well, I mean, at this point, it's either that or shit's just going to keep falling apart. So I did. I went ahead and I went to it. And honestly, it's, I feel like it saved my life and changed my, and saved my marriage. So that process, <laughs> see, I told you, y'all can't see her, but she's doing praise hands right now. <laughs> I'm like, yes, keep going. Tell your story. I'm loving it. (laughs) But yeah, that process was what like helped me see the patterns in my own life and what I was doing 
and how they were damaging me versus helping me. Mm-hmm. So like one of the things, one of the steps is trust. And I really like when I was going through it, it's one of the first couple of steps. I think it's like step two or three or something. Um, but when I was going through that, I was like doing the, there's homework every night and all that stuff. And so I'm doing it. I'm like, this is so stupid. I trust God. Can we just get to the next part? Can we get to the part that's going to fix me? And, um, the next step was inventory. (laughs) And in that you have to literally write out everything that you like, you have to write out your resentments, your fears, the harms you've done to other people, the harms that have been done to you. And you know, some of my story, like harms that have been done to me, that was hard, but harms that I had done to others blew me away. And then you have a sexual inventory and then you have like whatever the thing was that brought you into the program. Like most people have a breaking point, like, and you go there for this, but then all this other stuff gets revealed to you. And that's kind of what happened with me. I went because I wanted my relationship with my husband to be better. And I came out realizing like one, I didn't trust God the way I thought I did. And I had no idea how to, for, how to truly forgive people. And I was trying to control my husband's life. Mm, mm. So that program well, is how I, I, I got questions, girl. I got <laughs> questions. <laughs> All right. Most people so, do when they hear that. <laughs> no, it's so beautiful. I, it's, it's almost like you're telling like um, a cliff note version of how you turned from a caterpillar and now you're turning into a butterfly. And I want to <laughs> yeah. know that little process in between the cocoon. So we're going to, we're going to deep dive into that. So first in your marriage can you talk about what was the issues like why did you feel like you were already in a hard time at that place um honestly most of it was um him and the the stress that he was under um he's an attorney he um was working for someone else And that person was putting him in some questionable situations that he felt um, based on the oath that he had taken as an attorney, he wasn't able to hold up to. And so um, he just, he quit. And I, it wasn't something that we had talked about. It wasn't something I was prepared for. Mm -hmm. Um, And then he was actually going Uh, he had decided to go start a new firm with this is one of those sister brothers mother's cousins type things yeah but he was starting a firm with my best friend's cousin's husband (laughs) told you okay (laughs) okay so yes so my best friend's cousin's husband and um my best friend's cousin and I had met a couple of times and our personalities didn't really click at the beginning. And um, so I felt like she didn't like me. So therefore I didn't like her either. (laughs) And vice versa, she, she felt the same way. So the idea that our husbands were going to start a business together made it really nerve wracking for both of us, at least for me on my end. So um, we ended up having 
brunch together and sorting all that stuff out. And now we talk on the phone for like hours at a time. So it's fine. But like, um, the, the stress just caused a lot of tension between us. And, um, the way he responded to it was through anger, which was something that I had never seen in him before. And it scared me. Um, and then I felt like he took to other, like he started, um, just drinking a lot more than he normally did. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh no, uh-uh, we're not doing this. Not, we're not getting get to this point. So I would, I tried to just like control the situation so that it didn't get to a point that I was afraid it would get to. And by doing that, I, it, I made it get to a point that it, I was afraid it would get to. Yeah. So, but then on the flip side, I was like, in my head, I'm like, oh my God, he has a problem. This is horrible. Like he wasn't breaking any laws or anything. He was only drinking at home. Like, you know, there was nothing that really could have got him in trouble. It was just like, I thought, initially it was like, oh my gosh, I'm worried about his health. I'm worried about this. I'm worried about that. No, I wasn't. I was worried about the fact that I didn't have a say. Like I was worried about the fact that I didn't have control over the amount that he was drinking or what his behaviors were or whatever, but those weren't mine to have to begin with. So yeah, that all was just kind of like, what was like at the base of our relationship. Mm -hmm. And then the more scared I got, the more I felt like we, I distanced myself from him, but then I blamed it on him. Mm. You know, I was like, he doesn't, he doesn't want any physical connection with me. He's not really talking to me. We're not having any any conversations. Mm. And I played just, uh, and I, he probably did distance himself from me to some degree, but like I did it first. <laughs> and I think sometimes it's really hard for women to recognize that we're the problem. Like yes! I started it. <laughs> yes. So I, w- I want to ask you one question um, about that. You said that sometimes women, it's hard for us to realize that we're the problem. When you were talking about, um, what was it, your inventory that you had to do through your program that you were working on. Was that one of the items on your inventory of the fact that you were distancing yourself or controlling him throughout that process? That wasn't one of the items on there. That was one of the things that came out of doing the inventory. Okay. That was like, that was what I learned about myself. Um, because as you're writing your inventory, you're seeing like behavior patterns and, um, what they call idols. So things that you're focused on more than God. And for me, every time it was control, 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 control. Like I needed to be the one that had to say so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what, what his, like his drinking absolutely a hundred percent was on there. The, um, the distance between us was absolutely on there. Like all the symptoms of the problem were on there. Mm -hmm. It just took going through it all to recognize 
that I was the main factor in those symptoms happening. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I, I don't know what else to say. Like, just thank you so much for sharing that. Um, because we all have things going on marital. And I really want to stress the point that his ethics, right? We have ethics, values, and morals. And all those were being questioned while he was working, correct? Yeah. Okay. So he was going through that and us looking into your life not dealing with it because we deal with our own shit. Right. But like, now it's like, Oh, we can see it. Yeah. You know, oh, I can see why this got to this point or I can see it. And it almost makes you think like, Whoa, like how can I almost raise out of my body and look at my own situation? Because it's not like he was running the streets. Like you said, he was drinking at home. Like it, it yeah. wasn't like, Oh, you know what? I'm out of my mom's house. I just turned 18. I'm about to turn up. Like this was really like you had a good foundation and now something that is so important to him of his ethics, his morals and his values are being questioned every day at work and how he can bend that. Yes. Yeah. No, I love it. Baby, still on the call, honey. Well, she, had, she had to get her her bed for her doll <laughs> yeah go play so did they give you any um what is the word i want tools did they give you any tools to work through things in the future or you said it's about a year long is there something that they gave you that said hey and you took away and you're like i use this i love this i want more of it it's the whole process. Oh, okay. So the last, the, like the last step of the program goes, is that exactly is when I went into the program, I was like, okay, let me get to the next part where I'm going to get fixed. Mm. You don't get fixed. Like you're not ever fixed. There's always going to be people who make you mad or who you unintentionally hurt or like, you know, I, it, for me, it, a lot of it all goes back to my spiritual and religious beliefs is like, we're all sinners. So we're all going to screw up forever. Like there's no way around that. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn how to deal with screwing up or other people screwing up and it hurting me. Um, but so it, that last step, like walks you through like how to go through that process on a regular basis so that you're not ending up in a spot where you have to take six weeks to do an inventory. Mm. It's like inventory it right now. This is what's going on in my life. Here's the problem. How did it make me feel? What am I, what is the purpose for this? What am I looking to about like, what's more important? What am I putting above God in this situation? And then it just like helps you basically inventory the situation, one situation at a time. So that you're not, so you don't end up harboring resentments, mm. but going through the process in general helps you to identify a lot of your patterns that you didn't recognize before. Mm. Okay. Okay. I, under, I understand what you're saying now. Um, I want to ask you the question about women because you made the comment of, I felt like she didn't like me. So therefore I didn't like her. 
do you find that a lot in relationships with women or is that kind of something that you had to work on as well? And how are you dealing with moving and finding a new, new people, your new group of women, or is it hard for you to find that? Um, so yeah, I have felt like pretty much my whole life. I've felt like if, if I thought someone didn't like me, then I didn't like them because it was like a self-protecting thing. It was a defense mechanism. Um, and I feel like I still kind of have that, that it's something I'm trying to work towards, but like just not that long ago, last week, maybe, um, there was a situation on my Facebook that I had posted something and I asked a question. I didn't want opinions about it. I just wanted the question answered. Um, and then it made me irritated. And I, I will fully admit that my, the way I handled that was not rational. Um, but I just deleted the post and then I posted another post griping about people giving their opinions all the time. This is why I hate social media, y'all. <laughs> it, <just laughs> it makes, it just makes things worse sometimes. So then I was scrolling through and I saw one of my friends and she had posted about the situation. Like she didn't call me out specifically, but she posted about it. And I'm like, you're posting about me on your page. Like, I can't see that. Mm-hmm. And then we had a conversation about it that apparently didn't go very well. And she deleted me from Facebook. And I was like, oh, I didn't realize that we couldn't have disagreements with our friends. Okay. So I it was kind of hurtful to me. And now I'm like, when I see her name, I'm like, ew, mm-hmm. I don't like her. Yeah. But I, it's not that I don't like her. I do like her. I just don't like what she did. Yeah. So I, yeah, that's definitely a struggle. I, yeah. Yeah. And then as far as like how, like finding new friends here, um, I've been so blessed in that area. Um, before I moved here, I joined, uh, a 40 area moms group and thank God it was run by one of the most beautiful women that I've ever met. Like she's just a strong, powerful, like I want to be her when I grow up kind of woman, uh, even though we're the same age. (laughs) And um, she's just so genuine and it was really important to her whenever she was creating this group um, as it grew. Cause initially it started as like a summer, find things to do group with like 60 people in it and Forney has grown a lot over the last couple of years and so now we have something like 2,000 women in there or something and you know as well as I do if you put 2,000 women in a group it's like drama central and this group has none no drama hardly like maybe on occasion we'll have something but um but it's because of the culture that she created in there. And so that happened to be my first experience with Forney was that culture, um, just of women loving on each other and wanting to support each other. And then um, there were skills that I had that she found to be beneficial to the group. So she asked me to join the admin team shortly after I moved here. And so I was able to connect with 
the other admins and build a group of friendships there. And then I joined the CrossFit gym, which is like the, the East 80. I mean, I'm sure I know the CrossFit community is very close. Like it's a community type thing where if you CrossFit, like you just love each other, but our gym in particular just is like family. Everyone is just so kind and honestly, without having the gym, I don't, the gym and our church were everything. Otherwise I would have been, I would have been a hot mess. Mm -hmm. I was a hot mess, but like I would still be driving the train basically. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I have a new question that I'm asking asking women and I asked it to someone right before you and it's a it's a little bit of a deep question you can either answer it super fast however you want to so the question is do you prefer to have a girlfriend or any kind of friend that has good morals and terrible characteristics or good characteristics and terrible morals huh yeah, right? <laughs> so when you say characteristics, like what what are you defining as characteristics? Like this sounds so bad. Like she'll never lie, she'll never steal, but she smacks her food when she eats and she <laughs> can't ever text you back and and <laughs> You can't stand the way she drives. She's flaky, (laughs) but she is like a perfect person outside of having characteristics that you like. Oh my gosh. Or like, she's a really good mom, but she's not a good mom. In front of an in between friend. (laughs) (laughs) But like, when you look for friends, like, do you care about characteristics or do you care more about morals? I care more about morals. Okay. Yeah. I care, I care more about morals, um, because there are fundamental truths in my world that I can't waver on. You know what I mean? Like, I just can't, I don't need them to be like, I don't need them to believe in God and be religious and all that stuff. Like I am, I don't care. Like that. I don't care about that stuff. Like, you are who you are, but as a foundation, like, do you lie? Do you cheat? Do you steal? Do you like intentionally hurt people to get above? Like, there's just different things like that, that I can't, I can't waver on. I can deal with character flaw, like characteristic flaws, as long as they aren't crossing into my moral boundaries. Ooh, yes, girl. That's a good way of answering that. So basically what I hear you saying is, is that you don't mind if they have these crazy characteristics, but once it starts to affect your morals, that's when you have problems. Yes, exactly. Okay. 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 I I like, I don't like people that smack though. I can't either. And then I told, someone told me that it was like a mental disorder and I was like, well, just add it to the list because (laughs) I got a few of those. (laughs) 
Wait, <laughs> not liking smacking is a mental disorder? Yeah, like it's a, it's like a I don't know what it is. I'm pretty sure people are going to tell us once we once this goes live, but it's when you can't hear certain noises. But the older I get, I'm finding out that I'm very um sensory sensitive. I don't think that I'm like on a level that can be really I don't know, maybe I just maybe I need to get tested, but like even like uh, my high heels hitting the floor, oh, it, like, I will take off my shoes. I can't handle it. Clicking of pens, people smacking, the computer mouse clicking, I can't handle it. Lights bother me. And I just came out to this until like 25, when I was 25 or something like that, I realized how much I was not able to handle it. And then this, one of my clients was like, you know, that's like a mental disorder. <laughs> And I was like, uh. Take a second. Okay, well, add me to the list of people with that disorder. <laughs> My husband is the same way. Like, he, he doesn't really even like to go out to restaurants to eat because he can't focus. There's too much noise. He can't focus. He doesn't like it. Yeah, yeah. I am a two to four Monday through Wednesday kind of restaurant girl. Like, if you want to go to lunch? Yeah, it's got to be between two to four Monday through Wednesday because it's, it's a lot of stimulation and it's really hard for me to, like, focus. Okay, but it's not about me. Let's change, <laughs> let's change the subject a little bit. Let's talk about stereotypes and how you view yourself in media. Do you view yourself in media or do you feel like there's a stereotype that you really are like, please stop believing that because it's not real life? Honestly, I don't feel like I really see myself or the average woman, like what I would consider the average woman. I don't really feel like I see it at all, really. Mm -hmm. um, maybe more so like in this media, like in this medium, like in podcasting and stuff, because you can't see the person. Mm -hmm. um, but in like print or television or even radio sometimes like because they do a lot they're doing a lot more on the video side I just don't I don't see like I don't really like to call myself middle-aged and I don't even know if that's right because I'm only 34 but like no, that's not middle-aged <laughs> like you know someone in their young 30s who's a mom who's a little bit overweight and is like just hustling trying to find her purpose in life it's like I don't see that mm -hmm. I I see stay-at-home mom or I see working mom and a lot of times the working mom is a hot mess on whatever show it is because she can't balance both and but I don't see anyone who's like trying to balance both and able to balance both Ooh. but then again I'm not able to balance both either so maybe <laughs> I, uh, maybe I am a stereotype I don't know <laughs> I don't see yeah. me though like when I watch other people like when I watch shows I don't see myself in other characters and I know there are people who do I'm just not one of them yeah yeah. What of yourself do you feel like is missing in certain characters? Honestly, I think it's raw honesty. Mm. Like when you're seeing characters, you're not really seeing their struggles. Like 
you just see like a surface level. It's like you get the Facebook version of people. Ooh, damn. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But you're like, it, truly, you're getting like the highlight reel. You're not getting like the true raw version of someone. And it's hard to connect with someone that you don't, like you connect on those things, not because, you know, someone's got two kids and they are, are making t-shirts and like, you don't, those aren't really the things that you connect on. Mm -hmm. It's like the whole reason that book that, um, what the hell's her name? The chick from, the, you went to Rise? What's her name? Oh, Rachel Hollis. Yes. There you go. The whole reason her book did so well is because people connected to her because she told her truth. She mm -hmm. told her story. Mm -hmm. Like, she didn't just give you the highlight reel. She gave you the ugly, too. Mm -hmm. So, like, that's why people connect with her. But you don't get that in TV or movies or any of that. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. I, I, I love that. I, lo I love that answer. Um, I, I want to go back to a comment that you said about your body. And do you struggle with that? Is You said you're starting CrossFit. Is that for you to have more of a community and you just so happen to be working out? Or is there something that you're struggling with and you're like, hey, this is what I want to work on. And I just found CrossFit works for me. Uh, the, oh, body. <laughs> you agreed to come in here and <laughs> no, I, no, I'm good. <laughs> but I don't mind talking about it. It's just like, uh, body. Like, <laughs> it's not one of the things that I feel best about myself. Like, it's not my strong suit. You know what I mean? Um, but that's just the reality of it. Like, so for me, um, I started CrossFit because my, my best friend did CrossFit and she was competing and I saw how it affected her emotionally. Um, like she was in a really difficult place emotionally and it totally changed her. And um, I was out there visiting her in California. She took me to a CrossFit class and I was so proud of myself. Like it sucked. Don't get me wrong. Like it hurt <laughs> while I was doing it, but I was so proud that I did it. I was so proud that I like completed a workout that I didn't think I would have been able to do. And I mean, this has been a battle for me my whole life. I have always felt like I was fat. And when I look back at pictures of myself in high school or in my early 20s, I'm like, girl, what is wrong with your brain? Like, there is nothing fat about that. And now I'm like, and I know that because I really am fat now. So <laughs> I'm like, you were not fat then. <laughs> but so it's something I've been like trying to like get back to the old me, I guess, um, and I liked the way that CrossFit made me feel when I was done. And so, um, I came home from that trip and my husband just happened to have said he was going to join the CrossFit gym, which <clears throat> that's weird, but okay. And I was like, Oh, wait a second. If you're joining the CrossFit gym, I'm joining the CrossFit gym too. So 
you better pay for both of us. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I'm doing this. Right. And when I started going, it was just, I was just so proud of myself. Every time I went, I would be a little bit better than the time before, or I'd be able to lift a little bit heavier than the time before. And so I've been at this gym for about two, for almost two years now. Um, well, yeah, in August, it'll be two years. So I've been there almost two years and the things that I've accomplished within myself have just blown my mind. So even if I don't ever lose the weight or get my body to what place that I want it to be, what CrossFit does for my mental health is so far beyond what it does for my body, like my physical appearance that I like, I don't care. I'll do it forever. Mm -hmm. But with, with my body, like, it's just something that I just, I'm just going to keep on working, (laughs) keep on working on. Like I'm more focused on my nutrition now. And I mean, I am losing weight because I'm actually trying, but yeah, it's definitely something that's been a, a (laughs) yo-yo type of deal. I, um, I have a question. Katie's episode, uh, KT's episode just dropped recently. Mm-hmm. And she said, I feel like, like, don't look at my size because I could probably out squat you or I can pretty much out squat anybody. Do you feel, did you feel connection to that? A hundred percent. Yeah. I say that. I'm like, when people like are being dumb, <laughs> Yeah. I'm like, shut up. I can deadlift you. Right. Right. Yeah, it's just shut up. <laughs> like, I, but it's true. Like you can't look at someone and know their strength, like their physical strength or their mental strengths for that matter. You can't look at someone and know that about them. And like Katie, Katie, I call her Katie too, but yeah. she and I have very similar body types, I feel like, but we're both like, super into fitness at the same time and it's like we're not the picture of what you would expect to see when you're talking about fitness but we're both strong as hell so Mm -hmm. like you know Uh, my goal this year for this year deadlift is my thing so that's why I'm like I could deadlift you right but that's my that's my lift I love Olympic lifting I hate cardio, just for the record. <laughs> I suffer through that so that I can do the lifting part. Right. But, um, like, that's my favorite lift and what I'm the strongest at. And my goal by the end of the year is to hit 300. And I'm only 15 pounds away from that. And I'm a bigger girl. Like, you wouldn't look at me and think she could deadlift 285 pounds. Hell yes, you can, but- girl. Get it. <laughs> but I'm strong, you know. Yes, <laughs> I, I do know. I'm strong. There are there are girls in our gym who are much stronger than I am. But for me and where I came from, like where I started, I'm strong, and mm-hmm. I feel good about where I am in my CrossFit journey. So, yeah. No, I I wasn't expecting you to say that you were 15 pounds away from your goal. I'm so <laughs> proud of you. So I do want to ask you, are you a taker or a giver in the bedroom? <laughs> taker. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'll give back, but 
I don't like to do the work. <laughs> right. He's doing CrossFit. Just tell him he's to not, him. He doesn't go anymore. <laughs> oh my God. Because he started it, right? Like he's the whole reason <laughs> that we ended up at this gym in the first place. And like, he doesn't even go. He came home early from work yesterday. I was like, oh, did you come home early so you could go to the gym with me? <laughs> he was like, not today. I'm like, okay. Okay, well, and that's why I'm a taker. <laughs> All right, then I'm gonna go. <laughs> oh my goodness! Honestly, Does he ever part of that say is anything a physical for... issue, though. Like yeah. my, I have horrible knees. Like mm -hmm. it's funny because you just talked to KT, and she and I have had a couple, not uh, like in-depth conversations, but some because I have similar knee issues, like she has, but. It is hard to be the one doing the work when your knees aren't working. Like, that's hard. <laughs> Just saying. It's hard. <laughs> Does he ever say anything? Does he no. ever like, no, like, today you're going to give to me and I'm going to take? No. No. Never. He's like, uh -uh. He's like I'm going to get it, girl. No, because he knows if he's, like, if he starts something, he'll get something. Yeah. Like, he gets to the end goal, so it doesn't really matter <laughs> him who's in charge, I guess. Okay. If I he does, that. he doesn't say so. <laughs> which, oh my goodness, which reminds me, like, is that, like, is that your losing control spot? Like, is that where you're okay to lose control? Or even though you're still taking? No, I'm fine to lose control there. Okay. Yeah, okay. I don't have any desire to be in control there. <laughs> Which is funny because it's the total opposite of my personality any I, other time. Yeah. That's so that's so crazy. So yeah. do you go, do you go to therapy now? Do, are you doing are you seeing a psychologist or any kind of therapy right now? No. Um what I so I am I graduated regeneration in uh, which is that program I told you all about right. in January and two weeks later or maybe a, a week later. So we go on every Tuesday. Um, I had gotten like in that week or two weeks, I can't remember exactly how long, but I had met with the leaders of the whole program, gotten trained, did everything. And now I co-lead a group with, the lady who led my group with oh, one of the ladies okay. who led my group. So I'm not in any therapy or counseling or anything for myself, but I knew whenever I was coming towards the end of that program that I would never leave that program. Like I don't, I don't care if I'm leading a group or if I'm just going to, we have large group and then small groups. So I don't care if I'm just out there passing out water and snacks and showing people where to go and writing, checking kids. I don't care. I just know that I'm going to be there because that was such a good thing for my mental health that I don't want to take myself out of it. So mm -hmm. by going, by leading, I'm actually going back through the book, the books. There's like... I know you can't see all the way back there, but there's like this 
big of a section of books Mm -hmm. that's all just curriculum books. So I go back through it with them. So as these new, as this new group of women is going through it and I'm leading them through it, I'm going back through it again and answering the same questions and doing the same work all over again. But it's really cool to see like how my answers have changed and stuff. Mm. So that is my counseling. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that's really good that you're giving back now to something that gave you so much. And a lot of times when people do go through radical changes, it's always like their top 10 experiences of their life. Would you mm-hmm. say that, that that process of the last year would be one of the top 10 experiences for you? Yeah, 100%. I think aside from... Yeah. I mean, aside from like being saved (laughs) into as a Christian, being saved, meeting my husband and get marrying him and having my kids. That's probably number four. Yeah. 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 Good for you. Um, I, I, I know that we've known each other for a while, but me and my husband also did something like that. And I would send people to it because of that love that I have for it. Have you sent someone to, through this process? Have you recruited someone? Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I tell everyone, anyone who's struggling with anything and even hints that they need help. That is the first thing, first place I send them because in, even though it is a biblical Christian based program, like for me, my, my hope is that they would find a relationship with God. You know, like that's what I hope for everyone because that's my belief system. And if they don't, that's okay. I don't, I don't judge anyone for not, but obviously that would be my hope for them. And so even if they start and they aren't really believers, um, the, the tools are still the same you know, and it's, the program is very similar to something like, um, AA or NA or something like that, where you're working through the 12 steps. Um, and those also have a higher power. They just don't define who the higher power is. And in those types of programs, they're great programs. So I'm not dissing that at all. Right. At all. Um, I'm just sharing the difference is, um, in those programs, you're defined by your struggle. So like when you are, for example, Alcoholics Anonymous, they're like, hi, my name is Ashley. I'm an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. But with regeneration, you still have one of those sayings, but it's, hi, my name's Ashley. I have a new life in Christ and I am recovering from, and then you list what your issue is. Your identity is in your relation, your new life with Christ, not what your struggle is. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was really important because if I have to be defined by the mistakes that I made, that makes me a really bad person. Mm-hmm. Like that makes me feel like a really bad person. So I don't want to be defined that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we really forget how much words affect our brain, mm-hmm. right? So just saying I'm recovering from versus I am an, I am a blank. 
that can change the process of your mind for the next week and the next week and the next mm -hmm. week. Well, especially, go ahead. Sorry. Especially for women who are hiding so much shame. Like, this is not something that I, some people are going to hate me for this and that's okay. I don't hate myself anymore. So if people want to hate me, that's okay. But as a teenager and early adult, I was in situations that were not great. I was a drug addict. I was in a rela an abusive relationship and I put myself in situations that caused unwanted pregnancies that I chose not to continue with. Yeah multiple times yeah so to the world i am a drug addict murderer right so if i have to be defined by the things i've done that makes me feel like a really shitty person when now i know number one all of it was wrong i don't support my own decisions and it's it's part of the process that I had to go through because what people don't realize because there's so much shame around those topics is nobody could have shamed me more than I shamed myself. I regret every single minute of making those decisions. And I felt a lot of times like I, things that happened to me were punishment for the things that I had done and I deserved it. hundred percent felt like I deserved it, but even though I did that, I didn't deserve to be beat the way I was beat or the emotional um, abuse that I, you know, people manipulating me and the narcissistic people that I dated. Like, I didn't deserve that stuff. I really didn't, even though I felt like I did because of the things that I had done. Like, but having gone through that program and just like doing a 180 with my life. I kept saying like, I know God forgives me, but I don't forgive myself. And in that program, one thing I learned was if I say, I know God forgives me, but I don't forgive myself. That means God's forgiveness isn't enough for me. When in reality it is like hundred percent totally is enough. And now I can look at, my life and my situation and be like, okay, you made some really bad decisions, some really horrific decisions, but I can't take it back and I can't change it. And I already beat myself up for it. And because of my religious beliefs and my relationship with God, grace has been extended to me and I just have to keep living and keep supporting other women. And like, I really just want them to know, like you don't have to live a life full of shame because you made some poor choices. Like, and there are so many women out there who have had abortions and never told anyone ever. Mm -hmm. And they're dying inside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so my question is for you, how did you get out of that, that, how do you call it a routine or that lifestyle of having bad boyfriends doing drugs and living in a bad life? Like what was your aha moment? Like, this is not the way I want to live. 
It started, um, honestly, God did it. Like, that's just the truth. And I know people who don't believe in him are going to be like, oh, my God, here we go again. But, like, that's the truth for me. Um, after, after my dad died, I just, like, went into a complete downward spiral. And I was doing all this stuff. And I didn't believe in God at all. Like, I was, like, staunch atheist. Like, you can't convince me. Like, he obviously doesn't care about me. Look what has happened in my life. That's how I felt. And then um, a friend of mine from high school was murdered and I was sitting in his funeral and I just knew that that guy, I guess he was a preacher, but the one that was doing the funeral, um, it was in the same room that the funeral we did for my dad was in. And I just, I don't know, there was just something that kind of came over me and I just knew, like, I knew that he was talking to me and I knew that my dad wanted me to listen. And I left there like, well, son of a bitch. God is real. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. But I still didn't really like, I wasn't Christian. Like I still wasn't Christian. I didn't believe in Jesus. I didn't believe like there was still a lot. I didn't believe. I just was like, okay, well, God's real. I'm um, at least to that point. And, um, once I like just accepted that, then my, my heart just desired to do different things. I didn't want to be involved with the people that I was involved with anymore. And, um, with my ex that was like really abusive, like most of the horrible things I did, I did with him. Everything involved him. And I really don't know what happened. I just know one day, we were driving down, um, driving down George Bush and we got into a fight and he, I was driving and he took my head and he jammed it into the gear shift and, uh, I almost wrecked the car. And I remember thinking like, I mean, this man almost killed you twice. <laughs> like, like now, right this second yeah. and another time, like, what are you doing? Why? why like I look in myself in the mirror every day and I hated who I saw and I don't I just I pulled over and I told him to get out and that was it I went to my house he was living with my mom and I and my sister and I went home and I told my mom everything I told her the truth about everything that I had been hiding from her and um she packed up his stuff and put it on the side of the road and text him that he could come get it from this spot and and then I moved out moved in with a friend because I was afraid he'd be able to find me and um he didn't know that this friend and I were still friends because he had isolated me from all my friends but um didn't know where she lived or anything like that and so that was it that was the last time I saw him I mean I've talked to him since then um because he apparently went through some I think he went through NA or something like that and sent me a letter of amends. And so I've spoken to him. Um, but I'll, I mean, I'll never have anything to do with him again, mm -hmm. but so I don't really know exactly like a specific thing that happened. It was just like, once I started believing that God was real, small things started changing and I just, got more courage to stand up for myself 
And then when I met my husband, um, I met him <laughs> and I, our first date, I was like, oh shit, I'm going to marry that guy. I can't see him anymore. I, I was like, nope, can't see him anymore because I know I'm going to marry him and I'm not ready to get married. It's crazy. I'm only 22. What's happening here? And um, so a, he says I agreed to another date and then I stood him up. I wasn't at my apartment when he got there. I was still drinking a lot at that time. So that's <laughs> entirely possible. I don't remember it that way. Uh, but I do remember not talking to him for several months and my roommate at the time being like dude you're falling back into old patterns you're starting to like talk to any guy that'll talk to you like give him a chance he seems like a good guy just give him a chance I'm like I'm not ready for a guy like that I don't deserve a guy like that and um she's like just give him a chance you're driving me crazy I'm like okay and then at that point I was just tired of being alone <laughs> So, yeah. like, yeah. tired. I mean, I was never alone, but I was never with anyone that cared about me. So I still felt alone. But so I decided to give him a chance, and um, I was right. I married him. Aww, that's so sweet. Yeah. <laughs> now after I broke you. up with him another time. I mean, I broke up with him another time. <laughs> And then I wrote him a letter. It, I swear to God, it was like 12 pages long, but my letter had everything bad I had ever done. I didn't want to go into that relationship with him having secrets. I wanted, he was too good of a person that I wanted him to know who he was getting involved with and let him make that decision for himself. And thank God he, he is also a religious person. And he was before I met him. And he was like, if, if God can forgive me for all the things that I've done, then I should be able to forgive you for all the things that you did before I met you. So, yeah. okay. Wow. That's how that works. Cool. Like I still wasn't Christian at that. Like I still wasn't. So it was kind of, he was kind of weird in my opinion, but he was so nice yeah. <laughs> and funny. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so. that story. Are you yeah. ready for your uh, spitfire questions? I'm ready. All right. What's your favorite color? Pink and black. What's your favorite book? Ooh. The Love Dare. Ooh, that sounds good. Are you a spender or a saver? Uh, I am a cheap spender. Okay. <laughs> Are you a Democrat or a Republican? <sighs> a week ago, I would have told you Republican. Now, I don't know. Okay. Are you I'm on the fence. <laughs> Are you a good girl or a bad girl? I'm on the fence there too. <laughs> okay. Are you a rule maker, breaker, or follower? I'm a rule breaker. Okay. Natural hair color? Brown. Uh, your role model? Oh my gosh. I have a few. Um, my dad was one of them for sure. Um, my grandma, mm -hmm. definitely my grandma, mm. and honestly, the the woman that I lead region with, she's become one. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, yeah, and Amy, my coach at, at CrossFit. Okay, 
I kind of <laughs> look up to her too. I have a lot. Like, no, it's okay. You know. Okay. I, I, I truly believe that we have different people for different things, right? Yes. And they can role model us for other reasons. Any plastic surgery? No. Nothing. Nothing. Never. When I first met you, I got lip uh, lip injections the first time I met you. Really? Yeah. And I was like, wow. That's so funny because my junior high boyfriend, well, ninth grade, ninth, tenth grade, I guess that's high school. Um, his dad told me one time at dinner that I had lips women paid for mm-hmm. and I was 15. He should not have said that to a 15 year old girl, no, but kind of no, I've never had anything. Okay. Would you get something done? You said not yet. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. I would get my boobs done. <laughs> really? Would yes. Bigger, smaller? It's not necessarily that I want them bigger. Um, they're plenty big enough. Um, I just, I nursed my daughter for three years. They do not sit at a normal place. So I would just like for them to sit pretty. Why did you nurse her for three years? Because that chick would not get off it. <laughs> I'm not kidding. 18 months. I tried, I tried to wean for 18 oh, I remember months. That. I remember she that. Would not. Would not. She stopped nursing three days before her third birthday. <laughs> She's like, all right, I'm done. I got this. No, I had to convince, I had to talk her into it. Oh, wow. Because she was nursing at night and she got a cavity between her front two teeth. Oh, yeah. And I told her that her, that her booby milk was making her teeth sick. So she <laughs> needed to stop. And she's obsessed with her teeth. So it worked. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Okay, salsa being a given, guac or queso? Queso. I hate avocados. What? (laughs) I hate them. I want to like them so bad, but like, you know how some people um, think cilantro tastes like grass is normally something else. Like, I don't know. They they, like taste like pennies or something. Yeah. I think avocados taste like dirt. What? (laughs) yeah I know I try so hard I buy avocados and taste them multiple times a month because I want to like them but I don't you know I tried with Katie to try to get her to even try an avocado so I am done trying to convince people that guacamole is good (laughs) so I'm just going to take the answer Um, stop Adeline (laughs) she's banging on the door all right, so last question. Is there anything that you want the la- listener to know that we have not covered yet? I think, honestly, just the main reason that I did this is at all is just because I want other women to know that, like, no matter where your story started or where it led to, it's never too late to turn it around. And there's always someone out there who has a similar story so don't feel like you're alone and don't feel like you're defined by the things of your past because you're not you can see why i love miss ashley so much um the journey that she can recall all the way back 
to going to take your daughter to work day with her aunt and taking a personality test that young and understanding herself and wanting all that control and then how that control has affected her from the loss of her father to her relationship and then having to kind of figure it out, but then she still goes deeper and goes into a class. She reached out for help and now she's helping others. That was a very strong (laughs) um, moment for me. I did not know that she was going through that journey for the last year. And I feel like a year is a long time to be unraveling things and how many aha moments do we have going through a week, you know? So to have 52 of those, (laughs) you can only imagine, you can tell that she was very comfortable in her journey and don't judge her because that's what happened and she's comfortable with it. I also love that she kept going back to her faith to say this is what helped me get through it and so many times um, it's almost like we don't want to talk about it because others might not believe the same as we do but we can't really be upset because that is her journey and I believe that that was truly beautiful. The idea of her trying to control her husband with what was concerning him and to the fact that it was affecting their relationship and she still stuck with it and still tried to make it better and seek that help for that as well. I found that very refreshing. Um, so many times it's like, well, just get divorced or just leave or, you know, just deal with it. It's a phase. And she took she took the courage and with upon herself to get the help that she needed. And I love hearing about her Uh, you know, deadlifting people (laughs) are threatening to. So I hope that you got some kind of connection with Miss Ashley today and maybe opened your eyes to something new. Um, Being that said, if you go to You Gotta Meet Her Podcast Facebook page, you can go on there and see Miss Ashley and speak with her and talk with her on there. Also being said, you can find this podcast on Anchor, Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and Spotify. So if it's something a little bit easier for you to find this podcast, go ahead and look there. I'm so excited that we were able to do this, and I hope that this content still is living up to your standards. Thank you so much for the support, and I will see you on the next one.